0: morning, and welcome back to another episode of the Uptime Punks. Um, it just shows you, Tim, that we still need to turn off the videos in order to keep the bandwidth up, um, because the data center industry is growing so fast that um, we can't keep up with Zoom, I think. or uh, I don't know what the problem is. but
1: I think it's, it's a consolation for all uh, IT guys out there. So if ever you have trouble with your meetings and need to put your camera off, but in how can this be something? But
0: I don't understand how this can be. Can I don't somebody know, but... explain this to me? <laughs> I, I,
1: I, from last episode,
0: we know that we're meeting somewhere under the water in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Um
1: <laughs> it's it's uh, I mean, just like as a consolation, even the uptime punks have to do it. So uh, don't worry if you if you have trouble too. And uh, yeah, if you would like to come and speak about this topic on a podcast, feel free to reach out. But uh, yeah, um Maybe we should we should introduce our guests <laughs> or <laughs> our, our guests and co-hosts. Um, Susanna, you're, you're with us today again um, on this lovely podcast. And uh, as you have become a co-host, I think uh, oh, we leave the honor to you to introduce uh, your your guest and partner, friend and associate uh, uh, of this episode. Thank you, Tim
2: and Paul, for hosting us today. Um, both of you always great, give great advice to the audience. Indeed, it's actually true. Uh, your audio, actually, what we're happening right now is actually being here at the bottom of the ocean by Dorian and uh, Nemo, uh, because both of your gentlemen in UK. And today, actually, also in the bottom of the ocean, or the lake, actually, in Switzerland, because we have a very special guest today, Dr. Alberto Ravani, uh, dialing in from uh, Switzerland. So Alberto, we'd like to hear a little bit more about um, your expertise in clean energy. And uh, so perhaps we can get started by saying, how did you get started in clean energy? And what shaped your career by um, what might be some of the inflection point in your career that is exciting that gets you involved in uh, clean energy?
3: OK, hello, Susanna, team, and Poland, everybody yeah that's uh, well that question could let me go back to many decades but let's let's go back to the well the university time at least i have uh, uh engineering scientific background uh, phd in material engineering and uh, well the mountains in my background that nobody can see because we have use only the audio are the alps uh, i come from uh, italy from the north of italy and uh, that's a mountain region i remember there in the very first, uh, one of the very first lessons in uh, electrochemistry, that uh, the professor was explaining us all the different ways to produce energy. Uh, that was many many years ago, right? But still, then one of the, en- w- the ways were fuel cells. These uh, what I call them is those are gas batteries, and they were fantastic. And I said, "Wonderful! If they are so good, all the advantages that uh, I can also explain afterwards." But at that point, I said, "Why are those not used everywhere?" And we are still stuck with, you know, diesel generators, turbine, gas, and fossil fuels. That was the first, uh, the, the first um, uh, click, you know, the first uh, trigger of the, my interest in clean en- in energy in general and clean energy in particular.
2: I see. Well, that's uh, very personable. And then, how maybe tell us more regarding what was the most interesting clean energy project or work that you did, and where was it, and how was your experience, and how did that shape your career to where you are today in founding your own company?
3: Yes, well, that also, uh, I have to. I one, uh, looking back, uh, I had uh, several decades of experience in uh, uh, in different corporations like uh, uh, General Motors, Del- Delphi Automotive Systems. They have worked in uh, always improving efficiency. Uh, of course, in that case, it was combustion engines. I also then worked in other corporations, Swiss Corporation, doing several generations of solar panels. Also improving the output and efficiency of uh, those. At a certain point, I uh, thinking back about energy, the difference between you know make things possible and make it happen. I thought that as an entrepreneur, you make things happen by becoming an entrepreneur. Right, that I thought to leave the corporate world with all the advantages. Nothing bad about that, but if you want to have an impact. Like uh, not only economic, but more a social and environmental impact uh, that you can really do if you start a company. And then reminder, reminding, uh, remembering the, the times at the university, I say why not fuel cells, because this is really one of the uh, technologies that should go uh, that should go um, uh, mainstream, should really become used uh, in also in data centers. That's where I we met Susanna, you remember well. Uh, so you and Susanna and, met
0: during university days or no? No, no, no. That was way <laughs> after the many decades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. It
3: was in a it was in a, in a project with a uh, with a client of different companies. I think we can say the name, it was it was in Seattle. Uh, it was building the first uh, gas-powered data centers, right, with fuel cells with a unique architecture that is not used, was not used at the time, Uh, it was, it was uh, five, six years ago now. And that's where we actually met on implementing this new architecture of a clean technology. And that we had, we worked on the project and we had also this inspiration and say, look, if we put together our networks uh, and all of our experience, we will be able to have a real impact. Okay. Do you remember, Susanna?
2: Yes, yes. And the client that we worked together on in a joint project subsequently went off on stage to tell the world, specifically I think in Singapore in a joint keynote, that they have not have a downtime. Uh, which is amazing for cloud infrastructure not to have a downtime because of the results of our combined effort. So I applaud them for what they do. And then indeed, they also went off and win an award, an industry award at the end of last year. And I got privileged to be one of the judges on the panel. So it's very interesting. Paul, goes to you.
0: Yeah, so if everybody listened to maybe some previous episodes where I think the head of the project was on it, then people can put the dots together. Who was the client? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But Alberto, before before we go more into depth about the relationship between uh, you and Susanna and you and Green Energy, um, the people that come to the Uptime Punks always have to answer the same questions. So our listeners can sort of guess your age and your background. So the first question is... (laughs) So the
3: first question is, do you remember your first mobile phone? yeah let me think okay yes the first uh let's say the, the first mobile phone the first private phone i remember well mm-hmm. And any company was before but my private one was a well we can say the the make right it was a nokia okay uh you will remember that it was the time when the mobile phone it was cool when they were very small little small very and uh, it was uh it has a, it has still an antenna sticking out. You you didn't have to pull out the antenna to make the phone call. It was that kind of phone. It was definitely not a smartphone, but it was uh, it was really a top of top notch uh, phone because it had two lines of display. You could see the number and something else on it. Uh, that was my first phone.
0: Wow! Yellow great.
3: and black <laughs> like a bumblebee.
0: Okay, um, probably the battery lasted as well longer than. 12 hours so um this is definitely. also yeah definitely um, <laughs> do, do you remember your first encounter with computers
3: yeah that's that's also the, you have to go back at college university time and it was well that i remember very well it was uh the mac the the actually the, the macintosh the macintosh the high one small uh monochrome display with the mouse but i also remember that it was the computer of uh, the company of my parents. I was using it to write my thesis at the time. And they made a huge investment of buying um, a hard drive, which was very expensive because it has 20 megabytes of storage space.
0: 20, not gigabytes, megabytes.
3: 20 megabytes. <laughs> megabyte. That was really also top notch for running the whole uh, administration there.
0: It- is, is that what got you into tech then? Because you said a little bit how you got in touch with the green, um, with the fuel cell studies and all this thing. Was that what sort of got your interest into data centers? Does it come from the days in college or was it really earlier that you were like a little bit of a tech fanatic?
3: I would say that the interest for data center or what opened to me that that part of the industry, I have to give the the, the credit to Susanna. Uh, the application of, uh, let's say, my previous company that I founded was doing fuel cells for every application. So today, fuel cells are used for electrolysis, power generation, and so on. But the uh, almost enlightenment or the suggestion and the, really the discovery that data center could be key in um, adopting. And, um, and, and and bringing this technology to a higher level of standard, that is due to Susanne and her work, uh, her network, as a, she's a member of Climate 50, or Power 100 and the UN. And I we said, well, we have such an outreach with this that, uh, that uh, the data center reached everybody. One unique thing about the data center industry is everybody has a piece of this industry in your pocket. And this i mean the data center not only the 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 big data center hyperscale cloud but the um every aspect of the cloud infrastructure Uh, also the edge cloud the cloud that they use today for uh, clean mobility okay and that's why that was also always fascinated me like energy with energy you reach everybody Uh, the data center industry reaches everybody today uh, nobody could have been able to communicate during the past uh, 18 years of COVID without without this industry. This is what we're doing now.
0: That's great. And this is also where the passion comes from, I think, for green tech, isn't it? Because...
3: Um... Yes, yes. Putting together these two these two extremely I would say, powerful yeah, <laughs> uh, industries. One, the clean energy, uh, that's more or less where I come from and the data center industry that's where Susanna comes from and we combine our outreach our network and uh, we can provide absolutely unique solutions which now we are discovering more and more that are not only uh, sought by the data center industry uh, we get more and more um, interaction and work and, and partnership with utilities and, uh, mm. and many other companies because well not only in the US but there is a uh, 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 very compelling need of redoing the infrastructure or upgraded infrastructure to become a clean infrastructure, power, I mean, uh, telecommunication and everything.
0: right? Yeah, I mean, it's. It, Susanna likes to call it the race to that zero. And that's what it basically becomes now because everybody's realizing like, hey, we've done something wrong the last couple of years. Um, to me, it seems even to some extent that the data center industry is one of the cleanest industries actually compared to other industries which have been around maybe much longer even and the impact is even much bigger. Um, but I think the data data center industry is probably leading from the front because they have maybe the money and the
3: infrastructure to research or? Yes, they, uh, okay, many things there. First of all, yes, true, the data center industry has made a lot of progress. Definitely. Uh, probably more progress than other industry in getting cleaner. Uh, uh, but definitely, they could be cleaner. Uh, still, uh, data center is it, it very far from being net zero. That's why, again, the positive thing is that the race from net zero, and that's, uh, thank you, Susanna, for um, uh, you know adopting this name, because that really describes what these, the industry leaders are doing. Because names in the industry, they all kind of compete in their pledges to net zero. Uh, net zero by 2050, then 30, most of them, not only net zero, but net zero and being zero carbon negative. The net zero for us, by the way, for data center for, for Infraprime, is not only zero carbon, we have uh, zero waste, zero water, and we keep on adding zeros like uh, uh, zero diesel, and we add to that zero diesel generators um because they're, they're, this race to zero is a very important uh, communication to again that's the advantage of those companies that are very very visible everybody use the product of those companies really every 10 minutes of every day if they say this is where we are going to go it really has a lot of drive towards net zero and that's what is raised to net zero is absolutely beneficial to the whole planets, uh, not only for the economics, but to the, uh, you know, to the social and environmental aspect of the business.
2: Well, thank you, Alberto and Paul, for leading the discussion, perhaps, uh, Alberto, you can share with us uh, what actually happened and the impact during COVID, um, because it clearly disrupted many of our lives. Um, our work life, our business life, how we play, how we educate, how we learn, and how we socialize with each other. But in spite of all the lockdowns and everything else, uh, I personally am very impressed with uh, the work that you and your colleague did in the European Union side in terms of leading the clean energy standards and Infraprime leads that conceptual design so tell us a little bit more about what it is and how did you get involved and what is the impact of actually having a clean energy standard that can you know that sounds like it may be a a positive benefit that can uh help us not all go out and do our own thing, uh, but be able to do it as a community, which I'm a big fan of in terms of having a community, which is why we actually today have Paul and Tim in terms of the Uptime Punk community that they single handedly founded and built during COVID. So tell us more about the community that you are involved in terms of meeting the uh, clean energy standards. Uh, what is that all about?
3: Yes, indeed. But this, yeah, mentioning about, uh, sure about the e 2 2 project is a European project led by the European Commission, but within the framework of innovation of the European Commission for fuel cells and hydrogen. The uh, The goal of this project is is a proof of concept. It demonstrates that uh, fuel cells and battery and a modular solution to uh, can create a modular solution to provide power in um, for edge data centers, but actually it's edge modular data centers so it can be scaled up also to much larger size than, than an edge uh, situation. In this project, there are, well, it's public, so we can uh, go on the site and, and see all the list of the participants. The role that InfraPrime has is the one to lead the definition of the industry standard. And that's important for several uh, reasons, but first of all, we all want to have an impact, not only one project. We want that this solution is adopted by, let's say, the whole data center industry for a specific application, and beyond that, for the entire uh, cloud infrastructure, yeah? including mobility, distributed power generation, microgrids, and so on. In order to do that, uh, the standard is uh, it, it's, it's fundamental, it's, it's exactly like the internet standard uh without standard the internet will not run we intend to do the same thing and um define the interfaces and the requirements so that multiple suppliers can produce the product and develop and uh, produce the product and there is a stable supply chain so that the uh, supply chain can follow the growth of the data center industry one thing we said. Before, yes, uh, the data center industry is one of the highest-growing, of course, industry in the world. Uh, It has to grow in a way that it doesn't become dirtier. It's easier to grow and just use whatever energy is available, and it's uh, more difficult. Any uh, new solutions or uh, innovative solutions are needed so that the growth of the data center can be done in a clean energy way. Now, this project and these standards Will enable the growth of the data center industry by remaining clean and achieving the net zero goal and winning the race, the, the race to net zero.
1: I have a question just for for general understanding. Sorry, I um, I've listened to to Susanna's uh, in your talk, but. Uh, what, what is not so clear to me that is, is why fuel cells um, are so important in this race to net zero. Um, I mean, you've partly answered that, but maybe just yeah, for dummies yeah. uh, <laughs> such as no, me, no uh, if you if you can break that down uh, really quick. Oh,
3: definitely, definitely. I mean, I, uh, as you know, I've been in this industry for a very long time and I could speak for hours, so please stop me. Okay. Um, but in... Uh, uh, as I said before, I've always been fascinated by fuel cells from that time at the university and a, w- a good way to define them for uh, uh, for everybody, not for dummies, for everybody, is they are gas batteries. Okay. Everybody knows batteries. The lithium ion now is the is the generation that is growing. Batteries. So they always produce energy. Okay. And there are a couple of unique advantages. You don't have to charge them. Like, it's like a battery that as long as you provide the fuel, it will always give you energy. And if you use clean fuel, it will give you clean energy. This is a key differentiator of, uh, of, uh, of fuel cells. They provide reliable and resilient uh, energy. It's not, you're not dependent on the grid. We want to bring this on-site. So clean, uh, clean energy on-site, on-site clean energy or carbon-free energy is what infraprint does. So there are zero emissions, zero emissions and uh, there are no moving parts and uh, I would add one thing, there are a couple of things, they are modular, they can follow load and therefore they are extremely uh, suitable for the growth of data centers. Okay, if you want to look outside the data center industry and, uh, and in this global transition to net zero, they also do one thing that is, uh, provide really one leg of the three legs tool of the transition to net zero. So one of the core renewable, like solar and wind and so on. Then you have storage. One thing missing is long-term storage. Yeah. That's what fuel cell can do because they are reversible like battery. You can charge and discharge. When mm-hmm. you run a fuel cell in reverse, it gives you back the fuel. So you can store a long, a, a great amount of energy on site, and you can convert renewable energy into a renewable fuel. That's that's why they will be a part of the of the of the solution.
1: And uh, so, so they 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 are essentially the replacing what kind of um, system is diesel right? Mostly.
3: They replace, they replace two uh, a couple of things. They replace several uh, systems which, by the way, also gives a positive balance on the material side, which we can dis- mm-hmm. discuss later, <clears throat> but the, uh, on a, from an affordability point of view, because they have to fulfill also that requirement, affordability, resilience and sustainability, um, they do replace, yes, the diesel, back- gen- gen- diesel backup generator. We are speaking here about the hydrogen fuel cells. And they also um, provide an on-site power generation, a reliable on-site power generation, where the grid is not reliable enough. Well, we know with with Susanna, we have visited many times the Nordics. It's fantastic and fascinating. We we both love them, love those countries a lot. Uh, Among many reasons is because those countries are blessed by an abundant availability of reliable, hydroelectric usually clean energy and uh, with a grid which is really very uh reliable and available uh like uh, um one the last outage was 40 years ago yeah and there are 10 minutes over 40 years and that just to illustrate really the point
1: great. you you actually get paid sometimes when you consume energy there Absolutely. so that's...
3: that's a unique solution for um uh, if you can go there, if, you, if your business, if your strategy of your growth brings you there, that's fine. But for all those cases where you want to be in, uh, you have to be closer to, uh, you can be in Europe, for example, in Frankfurt or in uh, in Amsterdam, you have to be in London because your client asks, or in New York, Singapore.
1: Yeah, they want. For, for different California. reasons like, are, like latency and stuff. But,
3: perfect yeah but what what kind of don't what, have
1: that yeah but what kind of uh what, what kind of fuel cells are there right what what is like the most advanced um state-of-the-art fuel cell that there is right now and and do you think there will be even more like you you are very close to those things so you can
3: maybe tell us yes, a little bit
1: yes. about like the yeah, exciting yeah, yeah. stuff that's not even right. on the market yet or uh um, definitely there are uh,
3: this is one uh, that's where innovation really comes from that's one of the uh unique access that we as InfraPrime has have mm-hmm. uh, we do have a direct access to what will be on the market soon now without making without naming any any companies i will just name the type of uh, the type of, of fuel cells there are two big two big categories two big families the hydrogen fuel cell, low temperature, the one that are use in cars, vehicles, and trucks, and so on, and there are the high temperature fuel cells. Those are the stationary ones. Okay, and uh, there are both for both technologies. There are multiple suppliers, more on one side than on the than, than the other, and uh, basically every data um, large data center um, player in this industry. They, they use fuel cells, they do. Um, and the growth, really the limitation to growth is the availability of a stable supply chain and the standard. That's why it's one of the triggering and unlocking features that we are working on by writing the standards and then having access to who can provide the product or the standard. But the products are there and they are being tested by, we, we are aware of many projects going on uh, they're being st- tested at the megawatt scale and many of the solutions will be online mainstream in the next months and years.
2: Alberto, I have one question for you. So technology aside, because I think one of the key things that the EU clean energy standard um, focus on is an architecture that is vendor agnostic and technology neutral, right? So, yes. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely other technology which are on the market that we know a lot about, such as wind and solar, and they're very excellent from a renewable source, uh, including, you know, use of fuel cell and all kinds of fuel. I think that is important to be in the portfolio. Perhaps you can talk a little bit more about what is so unique about the ambition that you had in starting a company above and beyond just trying to make money like everybody else. But you also have a social entrepreneurial spirit um, that I align with in terms of doing things for the environment and the, and the society. Um, given the recent report um, that came out to get ready for the COP26 event, um, the outlook does not look very good. Um, we are not tracking to the 1.5 degrees Celsius that we needed to. And hence, people having ambition are very exciting, very inspiring. But the importance is really taking action to actually have to resell. So I'm going to ask you this question specifically that you and I talked about on a daily basis. What role specifically does Infoprime play in the race of zero throughout the life cycle of an infrastructure that really going to do something meaningful and be able to make an impact can you talk a little bit more about that and be very specific and it's not just focus on you know one technology or one project or one region
3: yeah definitely they in in, in our vision is to what uh, to provide a, A path and uh, and to drive the transition to sustainability uh, to lead and enable the uh, those companies to all win the race to net zero and uh, we do this by uh, implementing the the concept of circular economy the uh, life cycle impact analysis which has a standard an iso iso standard and we have done this analysis on the uh, on a typical data center or different uh, data center projects, and we have identified the areas where we can have the most impact. Of course, power is one, and is a main element uh, in the carbon accounting and carbon measuring, carbon metrics of every data centers. And the um, but from a lifecycle uh, point of view. We take into account everything that goes into the data center, from the materials used for the construction of the data center, how the data center is built, how is it operated, and in the end, how uh, how the waste of the data center is uh, managed, including decommissioning of the data center. So really uh, holistically covering the whole life cycle of the data center. And uh, specifically, we take um, we have very innovative solution to extract the, the, the heat that is considered a waste for the data center, but for us is a use and reuse of this usable waste or byproduct as a resource for the community around the data center. It's uh, um, doing district cooling or district heating, and we do it in a way that we use and reuse the heat and the, and the emissions usually the CO2 emissions of the data centers, um, providing heating and cooling services to the community. We'll be able to communicate later more about this solution, uh, but that's really innovative and combined with the other technology we we use, uh, combined with liquid cooling and combined with all the high density, high power density, high energy density solution and design we have, it's a, it's a really unique solution, especially for urban areas.
2: So let me make sure that Paul and Tim um, can say a few words here. And for the Uptime fun audience, who are very savvy audience in terms of wanting here, <coughs> so it's unique. Are you, are you saying that what you actually designed, the net zero uh, design, will take emission um, and reuse and reuse it to provide society benefits.
3: Definitely, yes, yes. The uh, what is there are solution, innovative solution that we're working on. As you uh, know, where uh, CO two, which is usually uh, a bad boy of the, among the greenhouse gases, uh, it is used actually to extract and transfer and deliver. Uh, Heating and cooling to the Community it's a very innovative solution and uh, it will be soon. um, available for uh, public disclosure about uh, what is happening in that field it's a very promising field to. uh, to, So that is one of the ways that the infrastructure of the data Center is integrated with the infrastructure of the Community.
1: Okay, so um, I I have one thing you you, uh, kind of. Uh, made allusions to it already. Um, this whole, whole, uh, whole uh, scope-free uh, discussion, right? Um, I, I always ask this question these days because I find it very, very interesting. And uh, yes. maybe you, I, I'm sure you have views on that, um, Alberto. Um, yes. Yes. How 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 far is this uh, scope-free um, thingy at the moment? So basically, in a nutshell, I think you can explain it the easiest. It's just all the carbon that is embedded in uh, in this in like for example in a data center that is already put out by assembling building um and putting the data center together and then you add um and that's scope two i think and then you add uh, the, the c the carbon that you emit by powering the data center um, Correct. so the scope three will actually be the point where we see okay this is how much co2 we have emitted to put this data center in place right and mm-hmm. even if it runs 100 renewable which is the the race to net zero that we are on um it does not it does not really include uh scope free right this whole net, race correct to net zero correct thing. and
3: you have also mentioned another point which is 100 renewable and 24 7 renewable it's not the same thing but we can about the power, we can uh, we can uh, discuss this later, mm. you're absolutely right. The scope three, if you take a typical large data center operator, scope three emission are the largest position. Mm. Scope one and scope two, they are what the data center itself produces and it's uh, uh, way less than half is typically a third or one fourth of the total mm. emission. The biggest position is the scope three mm. and it's hard for for this reason, one well, they're the biggest point. Second, it's not really under your control, not directly under your control. Scope three suppliers also also customers, by the way, but suppliers the mm-hmm. uh, most. Yeah. So, uh, so the question is there: How can you, um, as a company, uh, change your uh, your supplier selection, supply development, purchasing regulation, rules, and so on, and procedures? So that the the all the materials that you receive has a lower or zero carbon impact, mm-hmm.
1: and which is very difficult, really get, right? Because the stuff comes from, from from far away most of the time. It's um, uh, absolutely
3: as, as I say. We always say you know, it's not uh, it's not new, but you can change only what you know or what you measure. Exactly. And yeah. so the first step is getting a number for this, getting a measure of this CO two. So there must be a standard there, too, about how the suppliers will measure their uh, CO2 or greenhouse gas impact.
1: Mm.
3: Once you measure it, you have to kind of stick it to the product to avoid any, of course, fraud and so on, it's a certification. Um, here, at, uh, we are working with uh, very known uh, professors and company and certifiers. To, on a concept which is a material passport, it's named a material passport. Okay, mm-hmm. and on this passport, uh, there is indicated all the materials and the greenhouse gas and the CO2 footprint. Let's say uh, impact intensity of that particular material. Mm-hmm. Once you have this information, then the company can do something. Yeah, and and uh, and that's that's what we are uh, doing here. I uh, well, <laughs> I go back. I always go back to university time as a material scientist. I really can pull out again my table of uh, the elements and start counting which are the, the the culprits, which are the elements with the highest carbon footprint, which, yeah. as you know, is cement, steel, and aluminum, and so on.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, who puts those standards uh, out there? Who is prescribing those? What, what kind? Of, which body is it, if there is one?
3: You, you put the, the, the finger on a very, uh, on a sore point, actually. There is no global yeah. standard. There is That's no.
1: what I thought, yeah. There so, are several
3: companies, there are standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after the you know, Kyoto Protocol, there was a global standard, the UN. Uh, today, there is no, there is one standard for the airline industry, one standard for the car industry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, also for appliance. And you have all the certification and labeling which is would be very important when you go and buy a car you have the label in europe at least you have a uh you know a label and you have a lot of information there the the co2 per kilometer emission and and many other things including water and you have that also for appliances but there is not one global standard this is one of the topics we are working on you have to go up to the un level for example but that's where susanna with her involvement in the UN SDG for data center, uh, we can have, we can have interesting discussions there and drive exactly this point. So, yeah, so should, it be, should, it, should it be the UN uh, the, the prescribing
1: these or, or no. should it be a self-regulated body of industry representatives? It's an interesting or? discussion. Yeah. It's very yeah. political, isn't it? So who should, yes. who should do, who should tell whom what to do? And then who well, controls uh, this stuff, uh, right? Um, yeah. My
2: but, views, my yeah. views, Tim. My views, Tim, is we all are in this together. Um, it should not be dictated by any one particular body, but it's more like a working group level. What I found very helpful um, is an organization of. Uh, working group at the state level, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Uh, in short, it's IPCC, and recently they just published a report uh, to get ready for COP26. Uh, I can make that available to your audience. Mm. Uh, it's absolutely worth um, reading it. Uh, it says the science part of climate change, not the political element, which I found that very helpful. in in terms of anyone trying to understand the data within their region, understand the data within the sector and what might be the gap and also don't need to pine me on other people's pain uh, such as the progress we made in the data center and whatnot that become available. It's, a, it's a very easy to read, but it's very science-based. So I yeah. think the IPCC is good. Um, there are different bodies, I have to say, have been studying material science since the genesis of it all. Um, the ISO have done that. The IEEE has done it and also the Worldwide Engineering Organization. Um, and the clear and the thing would be... Um,
1: Yeah, we lost you there. <laughs> Sorry, but I think that's probably the undersea cable that snapped or something <laughs> like that. Got
3: that? got beaten by a shark.
1: Yeah, Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, that's how it is. People, you know, it's not all satellites. 99% of this conversation go through undersea cable as does the rest of the internet. Mm-hmm. But um, Yeah, Alberto, I think it's a very interesting uh, field, this whole scope 3. Um, yes discussion and you uh, you are at the forefront just like I, I merely ask you your opinion here and not really your um, because it's it's not really something no. that you can be neutral yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. but what do Absolutely. you think what do you think will will drive um, or who do you think will drive uh, this scope free how I mean nobody's holding anybody accountable at the moment as far as I understand it but Correct. what Correct. what is what are the dynamics that could hopefully change this so that we can all uh, mm-hmm. you know, measure, measure it, and then
3: do something about it? Well, I take three drivers there. Uh, this kind of change of standards, and you can maybe uh, compare it to the introduction of um, uh, organic food or mm. uh, biofuel is this kind of thing mm. organic food is not mandated but it's more and more used mm. so the drivers is one is the end user should not forget mm. that the end user in the end is the one that chooses what is used right what is what comes on the table what you wear what you use as a as a computer what fuel which energy you use it, it's really your choice mm. in order to have a uh, well a, a good choice you should have good information. That's one. The second part is, um, well, governments and regulations. Uh, I have this experience for the automotive industry. Uh, as you know, there are Euro 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And uh, today in many countries, I name Europe because I'm sitting here, you cannot buy a car which is polluting, uh, a car that was on sale 20 years ago. Today, you could not sell it anymore. So that's very strong. That's a very, that's a regulation part. And the third one, that's the uh, economy part. That's really the, uh, if we find a way to put a price tag on that, put a price on the carbon you cause, the resources you need, If, if you create this connection between the sustainability part, the social part, the environment part, and the economic part, then your choice will go all in the one direction. The three, two, three bottom lines will be one. So I know it's a general uh, ans- uh, answer, but it's, it requires really the, the cooperation of all three, the customer, the government, and and the companies, because they have to look at the bottom line.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, how, 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 far, how far do you think um, Google and the likes are with getting a framework together and actually uh, allowing us to, to measure it? Um, now, technology-wise, okay. you you perhaps have some more insight. Perhaps you've already uh, got a device that you can put on a data center and then see. Oh, this put two hundred tons of CO two and this steel yeah. uh, frame here. No, probably not. But um,
3: when 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 can not, we not so far? That? But we are getting there. Not so far, mm-hmm. we are getting there. You mentioned Google, which is uh, they've made one uh, very. Uh, Relevant announcement and uh, uh, and then they introduced the concept of twenty four seven clean mm-hmm. energy, which is not the same as being hundred percent renewable. want to spend only uh, you know a couple of sentences on, on this. The uh, uh, many companies, including Google, they are already hundred percent renewable. They've been for the last uh, three four five years, mm-hmm. but this hundred percent renewable by uh, purchasing uh, credits or certificates Mm -hmm. which is okay it's definitely a step uh ahead from being fossil fuel powered that's definitely a good thing but that's not the same as being powered by clean energy because if you purchase, purchase the credits you don't you still find yourself or find your data center being powered by some fossil fuel power at some time of the day or night especially night and, uh, and def- therefore the twenty four seven challenge has been let's say started and announced by uh, by Google other main player are going in the same direction and that's a good a good thing we are not yet in the and uh, working together with uh, uh, data center and utilities to provide exactly the kind of information that you were mentioning every data center operator should have on his or her uh, control panel uh, signals information about how much CO2 am I consuming, uh, where is my power coming from, what can I do with my load, can I reschedule, can my I, can I follow load the uh, clean energy or can, do I have flexible clean energy that can follow my load. Now all this is today done in a certain extent by many companies but what we are working on and we are providing is a solution that is available to every data center manager on the on the on the on the scope three uh i have to say there are no general tools available that i know that really really widely available there are a lot of studies and uh, and uh, you know and then let's say patchwork solutions which do provide but this is, is far away from being a standard and a, and a Ready to be adopted solution
1: by everybody. Okay, so lots of work to be done there. Um, Yeah, I think we need to wrap it up here. Um, But Susanna, maybe uh, you want to speak some final words before Alberto can then give his final statement. Um, And then, yeah, before he comes back for another episode to talk about the progress made and, and some other interesting projects.
2: Well, thank you, Tim and Paul, for giving us some time today at the Hubtime Punks. I think it's definitely a very important community and to be aware of Race to Zero and what might be some of the event that you folks are planning in December. So we can actually have a forum and a platform for a lot of uh, providers who are very interested in this topic to get together. So I just want to thank uh, both of you for the work that you do. Um, in addition to your daytime job to actually give us a platform to be able to chat about something that is really important uh, and bring the urgency of the climate action um, uh, in the face of all of us that's genuinely going to be affecting us for generation to come. Uh, Alberto, thank you for your time, for being here with us and share with us something very important that is not only providing just clean energy, but the concept of use and reuse of emissions and be able to provide society benefits and save the environment in addition to uh, accelerating the cloud infrastructure growth. So it is the tradition for Paul and Tim that they founded, that the guests always have the last word uh, for the takeaway for the audience. So um, I follow the tradition that Paul and Tim said. So I'll turn the forum over to you, Alberto, to say the last word to the audience. And again, thank you for being with us today.
3: Okay, well, thank you. I uh, want to thank you all, uh, Susanna and Paul and team. And uh, well, the last um, last statements will be, uh, again, I thank you for defining the race to zero as started. I think that's a really important uh, point, an important takeaway um and taking the liberty to quote you once again this uh, achieving this net zero uh, goal requires a rethink about how data center are planned and designed and built uh we as infraprime are uh, really proud to uh, be available and uh, provide uh, unique solutions which uh, connect data center and energy and the circular economy with the use and reuse of everything what goes into a data center and what comes out for to achieve this circularity of the data centers in the end uh, the solution and this transition to net zero and this race will be won by only by if by everybody we work uh, together the uh, data center um, industry uh, the governments other industries like utilities and all the, uh, the suppliers, the supply chains and us as users. So in the end, we we'll conclude that the uh, this transition is in our hands. We have unique solutions, but let's, let's make it together. Excellent.
1: So to the audience, if you want to reach out to Alberto and learn more about um, his doing in the Race to Net Zero, how he can get you up to speed if you have not heard the starting call or if you are um if you wish to get ahead in this race yeah please do so um i think you can find him very easily on the internet via I- infra prime and uh, yeah if you want to come and speak to us well reach out to us and yeah other than that i hope you enjoyed this episode and see you next time thanks a lot alberto susanna and uh yeah bye thank bye. you very much thank you thank you, you. Bye bye